Good morning. Welcome to our worship this morning, whether you are at your home or whether you're here in Ashcroft. We're very glad that you're joining us. We welcome Mr. David Cracknell to lead our worship this morning. Good morning, everybody. Here and at home, it's uh, lovely to be with you. Uh, and we hope that all of you will feel part of this act of worship. As we come together uh, today, uh, this is Bible Sunday, and uh, we shall bear that in mind um, throughout our service this morning. Some words, first of all, from Paul's letter to the Romans. God's message is near you, on your lips and in your heart. The scripture says, whoever believes in him will not be disappointed. And as the scripture says, everyone who calls out to the Lord for help will be saved. But how can they call to him for help if they've not believed? And how can they believe if they've not heard the message? And how can they hear if the message is not proclaimed? And how can the message be proclaimed if the messengers are not sent out? As the scripture says, how wonderful is the coming of messengers who bring good news. And we're all here to be messengers. And at home. And now we join together in prayer. Let us pray. Loving Father, we give you thanks for all the ways that you bless our lives, for the beauty and the abundance of nature around us, for the love of family and friends and our community here in this place, the joy of knowing you and of hearing your word. Lord and Father of Jesus, our great Saviour and our Liberator, thank you for the freedoms that you lavish on us, for the freedom to be called your children, for the freedom to meet as your people drawn from many backgrounds and ages, the freedom to hear your word in our language and to grasp what it means to know and to follow you. Lord, we confess that we have not followed you as we ought. But thank you, Lord, that you open your door of forgiveness that gives us the chance to start again when we fall short as we so often do. Help us, Lord, to be as you want us to be. Send your spirit to us during this time of worship so that we might dream your dreams and see your visions of the world as you created it to be. Guide our thoughts and actions. Bring us closer to you so that we might do your will and dwell with you in your house forever. Amen. Now in our hearts and quietly we share together the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, 
but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory, for ever and ever. Amen. Now we're going to hear our readings this morning, and we've got three short passages, all from the New Testament. The first two are about Scripture, about God's Word, and the third one is our appointed uh, Gospel for today uh, from Matthew's Gospel. So we hear them now. Thank you. first reading is from Paul's second letter to Timothy. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of, because you know those from whom you learned it, and how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, and so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. The second reading is from a letter, the letter from James. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. And the third reading from the Gospel of Matthew Hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together. One of them, an expert in the law, tested him with this question. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbour as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Amen. And thank you for reading for us. As I said, this is Bible Sunday, and we're going to now see a, a short film from the Bible Society, uh, made for this year, uh, which talks of 
uh, the importance of the Bible today uh, and the work that they're doing. We're going to see it now. people all over the world living without a Bible of their own and desperate to read God's Word. Thanks to the support of people like you, millions of Bibles are printed and distributed each year in China alone. In Sub-Saharan Africa, thanks to your support, Bible-based literacy classes enable people with little education to read God's Word by themselves, using Bibles that people like you have helped provide. New Bible translations make God's Word available to whole communities. More than 200,000 scripture portions are distributed each year to our brothers and sisters in the Middle East, and Bible-based trauma healing is provided to those in need. More locally, in England and Wales, we're building Bible confidence and longing for a better conversation about the Bible in wider society. None of this, in China, Africa, the Middle East and here in England and Wales, would be possible if it weren't for your generosity and kind support. Every penny donated helps share the Word of God. And the youth edition of the Good News Bible, the Bible course, and the ever-growing Open the Book project that engages with children in school are just some of the ways you can explore and share God's big story for yourself. Challenges lie ahead as the world responds to the coronavirus pandemic. But in everything, the mission remains to share the good news of God's word. The better story of hope the Bible presents is more important than ever. work of the Bible Society. Um, if you want to find out more, uh, the web address was up there, Bible Society, uh, uh, and Google that. And, and if you wish to donate, I'm sure you uh, uh, would be able to do that and, and find out more about their work. Um, and whilst we're talking about organizations that spread the word of God, uh, I'd mention another one, um, Open Doors. Google that and, and follow up about that. They take uh, the Bible uh, to countries around the world where Christianity is forbidden and they smuggle Bibles in and they support the persecuted church. I commend those to you. But we turn now to uh, thoughts about uh, what we've just heard uh, and seen. And I've taken as a text um, a, a verse from that letter to James. Uh, Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves do what it says. 
So, Bible Sunday, we, we have this book, uh, an entire library in itself, full of stories, poems, songs, letters, history, all sorts of accounts of people's lives, divided, as we know, into two sections, the Old Testament, uh, the old Hebrew Bible of the Jewish faith, uh, which was written uh, 1,200 years and, and more recent uh, BC, uh, and then uh, the New Testament books, which were written by Christians in the first century AD, 2,000 years ago. So we've got this, this ancient book, and, and we still have it today. Uh, I don't know what your earliest memories are of uh, this book uh, in, in your lives and what experiences you've, you've had of it over the years. Um, I think my earliest recollection probably is when I was at Sunday school, and I don't know whether anybody else had this experience, but uh, in our Sunday school classes we were always given these little stamps which had little pictures of Bible situations on them with a, with a verse, and we had to learn the verse and stick it in a book and remember it and come back the following week and, and repeat what we've, we learned from uh, the earlier week. Uh, and I also remember doing scripture exams at, at church as well, all of those sorts of things. So we've all had all sorts of experiences of the Bible probably from... Uh, our earliest years, and, and some maybe more recently have found their way to, to this book, and some are still searching it. Um, but what is the importance of this book? Why is it important? What's its, what's its message? And can Jesus help us, through that story which we heard, help us understand its message? Um, and what, I suppose, does this book have to say to us today, this, this very old book? What does it say to us in our world, in our situation today? So what is the importance and the message of the Bible? Well, this is what one uh, scholarly person has written, and it's a good summary, really, an overview. The Bible is God's inspired and authoritative word from Genesis to Revelation. It tells a single overarching story, how God created the world good and made people in his image, how people rejected God, how God made a covenant with the people of Israel, how, through the death and resurrection of his son Jesus Christ, God has graciously redeemed broken and sinful people from every tribe, language and nation and adopted them into his family, and how God's kingdom is breaking into this world, making all things new. Pretty good overview, really. If you were asked to, to sum the Bible up, perhaps we might think of uh, that well-known verse, which I'm sure we've all come across from John's Gospel. For God loved the world so much that he gave his only son so that everyone who believes in him may not die but have eternal life. That in itself is a good summary, if you like, of the message of the Bible. So this ancient book is, is still around still read, it still, I think, influences people, as God has recorded through the writings of many, many people his dealings with and his love for his creation, for all mankind. Not everyone, of course, believes the message of the Bible. Nobody today necessarily has the same view about it. Um, we might take one rather more extreme view. 
Um, some of you might well have heard of uh, Richard Dawkins uh, and his book, The Great, uh, or sorry, The God Delusion. Uh, a little statement from him. The Bible may be an arresting and poetic book of fiction, but it is not the sort of book you should give to your children to form their morals. Well, that's one summation of it. Um, I suppose I might agree with the, I wouldn't quite expect my um, five-year-old granddaughter to really be totally absorbed by the book of Leviticus, I have to say. But I do imagine, uh, and I seem to recall Jesus taking a small child and putting it in the midst of, the, of, of a group and saying, this is how you should be as a child. You know, your innocent understanding of life is the way that you should go. So maybe there is a different way in which we might look at God's word and Jesus' understanding. And talking of Jesus' understanding of the message of the Bible, we turn to uh, the story which we heard from Matthew's Gospel uh, and uh, another encounter which Jesus has with the people who knew the Bible of the day. Um, if you were present in the service or listening to the service uh, last week, uh, Wendy was talking about one of the challenges which Jesus was faced with when he was challenged by the religious people of the day. And he's, there is another one this week, uh, but this time the challenge is actually about Scripture. And he's asked which is the most important commandment. And, of course, Jesus' answer is one perhaps that we in our heart of hearts, might well understand and agree with. Yes, simple idea, isn't it? Love God, love your neighbor. neighbor. But um, perhaps that answer wasn't quite so obvious to the people uh, who were in Jesus' audience on that, uh, that occasion, his original hearers. Um, because for the Pharisees who questioned Jesus, the law was absolutely sacrosanct, all of it. Um, they held the law which had been handed down uh, by God to, to Moses as being it. It was the, the most important thing. And they poured over it and they examined it and they tore it into little pieces and they extended it and it became more and more complex. Uh, and they studied it to the nth degree, resulting in lengthy debates about how important every single little word was and why it should be interpreted this way or that way. And what was the conclusion of all of this? Well, everything was important. All the laws were important because they all came from God. Hence, I suppose, the trick question to Jesus. And what does Jesus do? Well, in his answer, he actually quotes from the scriptures, from Deuteronomy, which says, love God with all your heart, soul, and strength. But Jesus subtly alters it in his reply because he says, love God with your heart, soul, and mind. And presumably that little interpretation wouldn't be lost on the Pharisees. Basically he's saying, get your thinking right, folks. Jesus is saying that loving God is the most, the greatest uh, commandment of all. The Bible, life, everything is about God. And if you don't love God after all, well, I suppose 
then you won't be much inclined to follow any other commandments, would you really? But if you do love God, then maybe the other commandments start to flow naturally from it. And just to make that point, Jesus then includes a second important commandment. And he says it's like the first. In other words, it's almost as important as the first. And he quotes again from the scriptures, from the Hebrew Bible, from Leviticus, about loving your neighbor. Seeing other people through God's eyes is what it's about, really. Seeing other people as the children of God. We all go by the old golden rule, don't we? Do unto others as you would them do unto you. Piece of cake, really, isn't it? <laughs> well, so we think. Seeing other people through God's eyes. But what Jesus has done in giving this reply to uh, the Pharisees is to sum up all the complexities which they saw in the scriptures in a very simple way. And he sums up the essence of what God is all about and what the scriptures are all about and what he wants us to understand. That we are made in the image of God, that God loves his creation, loves us, believes in us. And he wants his creation to know that love and to love him back in the same way. And to love all creation in the same way that he loves all creation. That's what Jesus, I think, wants us to understand. So this ancient book, with all of its complexities, which is interpreted by Jesus, what does it have to say to us today? Well, I suppose in our current situation, this pandemic, if it's done nothing else, has kind of reminded us that we're not as much in control of things as we thought we were. This great big complicated world is even more complicated than we ever thought it was. We thought we had it under control. People thought that they knew what they were doing. But perhaps they realize now that it's not quite as simple as that. We realize that we're in a rather difficult situation, that we need each other more than we ever thought perhaps that we did. And as we work our way through this situation, we look to the future and all of its uncertainties and what it might hold, and we look to see how we might rebuild things and do things differently. And as our fragilities are all exposed as they are, the Bible maybe helps us understand that we're actually part of a much, much larger story. A story that stretches right back to creation and goes right forward to God's new creation at the end of time. And that in the middle, there's going to be a certain amount of chaos. But the great author of this Bible has a plan and we're part of it. And he takes care of his people because he loves them. Now I think, and I'm not sure about this, but I think it was the old News of the World newspaper that used to claim all human life was there. Um, well, maybe it was or maybe it wasn't, I don't know, but this is certainly where all human life is because in here are disasters, there are disappointments, there is suffering, there is loss, 
there is every human experience that we have ever and still experience today. All of those sadnesses and, and, and negative things, but also all the joys and all the hopes and all the aspirations that human beings have, both for individuals on the one hand, but also for families, for friends, for communities, for nations, for the whole world, in fact. And in the midst of all of these experiences of life, the bad and the good, God is there in all of those situations, with all of those individuals and those families and those communities and those nations and the whole world. Because the message which God has in this Bible is a timeless message for all time. And as we sit here or at home, sit on our, our sofas or whatever, um, and we face this situation and we, we struggle to see our, how as Christians we're going to take things forward, um, what gets in the way? What are the, the circumstances in society today which just work against this whole idea of loving God and loving neighbour? And then we are sitting here and, and thinking, well, how can I do anything about this? Inadequate me, what can I do? I'm not very good. I, I've got no power. I've got no influence. And I'm certainly not a Bible scholar. How am I expected to do anything to make a difference? Well, <laughs> might we just reflect for a moment that just about every single character in the Bible, with one very notable exception, had flaws. Going right back to Adam and Eve, who disobeyed God, through Moses, who was a murderer, through David, who was an adulterer, uh, right through into all of the characters as we get into the New Testament, with impetuous, turncoat, unscholared fisherman Peter, all of them had flaws. All of them were ordinary, everyday people. But somehow, God loved every single one of them. And he changed them. And he used them to change other people as well. So, here are we. Uh, and just like Jesus called disciples, so we are called. And he called disciples, which translated really means learners or students. So God wants us, first of all, to be learners. He calls us to love, maybe, firstly, with our minds. Because searching for God searches for truth, searches for love. And as his disciples, as his learners, walked with him over those two or three years, they got to understand about the love of God. And then finally, before he ascended, he gave them one other uh, kind of job, if you like. He said, now you're going to be witnesses and you're going to be teachers yourselves. And what do you know? They actually succeeded. Not only did they take Jesus' updated understanding, interpretation of the Old Testament, of loving God and neighbor, 
They even wrote their own New Testament. Their own stories were recorded. And they testified to how Jesus had changed their lives and how other people's lives were also changed as a result. And what do you know? We're here as a result of what they've done. The American evangelist D.L. Moody said, the Bible was not just given to increase our knowledge, but to change our lives. Has it changed me? Well, um, yes, I think it has. Um, I was talking with our Bible study group the other week uh, about one verse that was given to me uh, when I was a little lad by a, a minister. Uh, from Psalm 84. I won't go into all the story now, but there have been other occasions, other little passages from the Bible. Um, The woman at the well was another story. Living water, that did it for me. The Bible changes people, and it's a toolkit as well. In that second letter from Timothy passage, we're told all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. Uh, a great preacher uh, gave this wonderful uh, understanding of um, what the Bible was all about. Uh, it's not known who he was, but he, his words have been recorded. You might have heard it before. This book is the mind of God, the state of man, the way of salvation, the doom of sinners, and the happiness of believers. Its doctrines are holy, its precepts are binding, its histories are true, and its decisions are immutable. Read it to be wise, believe it to be safe, practice it to be holy. It contains light to direct you, food to support you, and comfort to cheer you. It is the traveller's map, the pilgrim's staff, the pilot's compass, the soldier's sword, and the Christian's character. Here paradise is restored, heaven opened, and the gates of hell disclosed. Christ is its grand subject, and good its design, and the glory of God its end. And it should fill the memory, rule the heart, guide the feet. Read it slowly, frequently, prayerfully. It's a mine of wealth, a paradise of glory, and a river of pleasure. Follow its precepts, and it will lead you to Calvary to the empty tomb, to a resurrected life in Christ. Yes, to glory itself for eternity. So if we think this book is important, then we need to absorb it and we need to use it. The world, as we heard in that film out there, is in need of what's in this book. As we're told in that passage, do not merely listen to the world, the word and so deceives your deceive yourselves do what it says and so as we face this situation around us and we live in our 2020 generation with all of its challenges we need to follow the example of the other disciples we need first of all to follow what Jesus has instructed us and to share it and to live it to share God's word about loving God, about loving neighbour. Good news of hope that changes lives. You'll remember this little rhyme, I'm sure. You are writing a gospel, a chapter each day, by deeds that you do, 
by words that you say. Men read what you write, whether faithless or true. Say, what is the gospel according to you? Amen. Now we turn to our prayers. Let us pray. Living God, ever with us, we come to you, the church of 2020 here in this place, inviting you to show us how to be your people today in a world that often regards the church as irrelevant and outdated. Show us how to live and love guided by your spirit. Living God, ever with us, we hear the cry of injustice all around us, of poverty and disease, the huge and various impacts of COVID, the problems of those who serve, the problems of the homeless, those who are ill in pain and suffering in so many different ways. We live in a deeply unequal and unfair world, so we believe and understand. And so in the face of that, Lord, help those who suffer, we pray, and show us how to love, guided by your spirit. Living God ever with us, we pray for those who throughout time have taken your word to those around them and across the world, even to places where following you is forbidden or where you are not even known. Strengthen those today who share your word and bring light and hope in dark places of the world. Show them how to love, guided by your spirit. Living God ever with us, we bring to you in our hearts those who we know who are in need. And we're asked today to pray especially for the family of a young man of 24, found dead in bed. His partner and their two little girls. We're asked to remember his father and stepmother and stepbrother. And as we remember them, and we remember all of those who we know who are in need, let's just, in a moment of quietness, bring those personal prayers to God. Living God ever with us, may they know your comfort and presence and peace in their lives, all those that we have prayed for, and help us to be the means by which that solace is shared. Show us how to love, guided by your spirit. And loving God ever with us, help us to turn to you to find our strength, to see you in your word, the accounts of your people throughout time and particularly in the life and death and resurrection stories of Jesus our Saviour. 
Help us to see and have an opportunity to transform the way we live and rebuild society around us, founded in love. Show us how to love, Lord, guided by your spirit. And so, Lord, we offer ourselves and all of our giving to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Mirrored here, may our lives tell your story. Living God ever with us, we have no mission but to serve you. We recognize our calling in your invitation to love one another. As we seek to be sharers of the gospel, help us to write our own living testament to you. Show us how to love, guided by your spirit. May the blessing of Creator Father, Saviour Son, and ever-present Comforter Spirit be with us all for all eternity. Amen. Thank you, David, for your words today. Next week, our service will be led by Mr. Ron Green. And thank you all for being here with us today, and we hope you'll join us again next week. Thank you.